Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. And our unique guest today is Ayman Rafai. So, Ayman Rafai, he is the director for Arabia and Levant countries at Ekaterra, which is a unity division. He is one of the youngest supply chain directors who are known. What makes Ayman special actually is not only his knowledge, but just his kind and self-leadership. Uh, his critical thinking and logical thinking are real characteristics that makes him very unique. Uh, Ayman, he is a real leader who uh, inspires people by his way of thinking. Uh, his way of questioning things inside and outside the business is really remarkable. In spite of reaching to just uh, an executive role at a young age, it doesn't stop him from learning more and more and more academically every day. What is better than knowledge is an applied knowledge. And this is the way, how he deals with his people and the people around him. He is an APEX certified CPM and CSCP. He's definitely a keynote speaker who participated in many influential conferences in the supply chain. And the introduction can go, uh, goes on and on and on about Ayman. So let's seize this moment and welcome our thought leader today, Ayman Rafai. But before just doing the introduction and as usual to give him some applause that must be the best round of applause i've ever had in my life thank you so much <laughs> Great to see thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for for having the, the time, giving us your valuable time. It's a real pleasure to host you today. And I'm sure hundreds that will drive, as we said, the knowledge that we will not find in books, your great experience and the knowledge in the supply chain. So welcome again to the show. Yes. So, so good to have you, Ayman. Thanks so thank much, you, Ayman. So Thank you so much. It's actually a great. very... Uh, 
uh, tough to beat the expectations <laughs> you put in Khaled and Mamsi. So let's see that. Uh, thank you, everyone, for having me. Good afternoon, good night, and good evening, depending on where you are. I see plenty from different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's take some of the audience before the the questions. Yeah, sure. Sure. I see a lot let's of people jump came into in. our lobby audience. So we have, as usual, the technical later which is LinkedIn user. I don't know who is this, but great episode, Ahmad Khaled. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Friend Fabio, good night from Italy. Thank you so much, Fabio, Hi, for Fabio. having your time. Our friend Mustafa Sulaiman, great. Thank you so much for Hi, tuning in. Our lovely friend Atif Abdel Fattah, good night from Egypt. Thank you so much Hi, for tuning in, Atif. Our friend and our brother, Shadi Al-Jaki from Egypt. As usual, thank you so much for tuning in, Shadi. Our friend, Hi, Hasna. good night from, from Egypt. Thank you so much. The king, for sure, Samir Al-Madroon. Yes. I'm from Jordan. Hi, Samir. Like I said, for sure, one of the, the amazing leaders inside also Apex. And he's a real leader. Thank you so much for tuning in, Samir. Uh, we have, can you, can he? Yes. yes. So we have Sharmila from New York. Thank you so much. Yes, we have also never ending challenge. So thank you so much for tuning in. We have actually many uh, great audience today and think that the engagement will go on and on and on. So we have uh, well greetings from Dubai. Thank you so Hi, much. Well. Thank you for joining. Yes, if you allow us, we'll take another two and we'll start our lovely episode. Yes. So we have our friend Ahmed Abu Khadra. Yes, it's running now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, it's running live. Yes, thank you. Our friend and our brother Haizam Al Qut, greetings from Cairo. Thank you so much, guys. And I'll, I'll give you the, the time just to uh, ask whatever question into your mind for our global thought leader, Ayman Rafi, today. Feel free, whatever question into your mind. So we will jump directly into your question so yes let's put it that way dr ayman can you hear me guys Hello? yes we can hear you and uh, okay. let's take the first question of course and it's sure. the title of our uh, our episode <laughs> bridging the gap between supply and demand and uh, the challenges of course of balancing uh, supply and demand tell us your thoughts about that uh, Ayman, of course, from your experience. So, you know, I mean, any supply chain professional would be having a hard time on this topic specifically. <laughs> Bridging the supply and the demand gap. But in reality, I don't think this is uh, what is the truth. Yeah? I think the truth is any business professional be, should be considering such challenge because in reality, it's not only a supply chain job. I mean, we take on a lot of things, but you guys started by this saying that the, the mission statement of Global SNOP is to connect professionals, not only from supply chain, from marketing, trade marketing, business, finance, all together. And this is exactly where the challenge is. People in their mind, supply chain job is to run SNOP. But in reality, it's everyone's job to do so. So, so I mean, we start with the golden question. What does SNOP try to do? And yeah. the answer is the objective of SNOP is to balance supply and demand. 
you'll never have supply and demand exactly the same. Probably something running around with supply shortage because of some volcanic ashes somewhere in the world or the rise of the gas prices or the logistics challenges we have, such as the couple of days we're living in or travel restrictions like last year or increased demand somewhere or so. So there will always be somewhere wrong in the process, yeah? Either yes. at the side or at the demand side. <laughs> so I think the starting point of the question, who actually owns this? It is the business profession. It's not only the supply chain, guys. And this is the number one message. I always try to emphasize talking with any of my team members. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I believe that, as you said, it's, it's not about the functions, but it's all about how people treat the business from their mindset because if you reach to this state of mind where everyone is mature and understanding the full cycle of the business and everyone is accountable responsible in the inside the s and op by this way you will be able to cater forward between the balancing the demand and supply and i like what you said because equilibrium state i think it will you will find it in the paradise because if you go into sq level uh it's it's very very rarely just to find that the unconstrained demand is equal to the constrained demand, especially on SQ level. So our role is just to have the speed of communication between uh, uh, the actions and the information that we receive it. So it's all about the, the quality in Sandopi and people in 100%. So I mean just that I would ask, uh, spoke about the unconstrained un and uh, the constrained demand. So. One of the struggles that we see it inside the SNOB, the numbers, and especially the forecast accuracy. So, so we we just uh, uh, so keen to know your experience and your philosophy when it comes to calculating the uh, forecast accuracy. Shall we calculate the forecast accuracy based on the unconstrained forecast or the constrained forecast, and why? Right. So the point is, what is the best way to calculate forecast accuracy? And I'm assuming this is in the sense of, you know, bridging the gap between supply and demand. And to be very frank, I always find this challenge also with my counterparts when we discuss. I don't think it's about forecast accuracy. I mean, the ultimate thing for SNOP is service. This is the main KPI no. to be all tracking. Yeah, I mean, among other things, there are plenty of stuff. There's focus accuracy, focus bias, extreme bias, business ways generated, opportunity loss percentages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think the answer to your question, what is the best way to calculate focus accuracy, is why do you need to calculate focus accuracy? What's the what's the real reason behind it? It's just to say how good is our forecast in that case i would say definitely for a for a constraint why because you this is already what you're projecting or do you want to really calculate what is the total size of the prize that you have achieved versus whatever you could have whether you had these on hand or not as supply is a separate question then i would say go for the unconstrained so i think the short answer is before you decide that you want to go for that kpi or the kpi i think the most important question is identify what exactly are you trying as a as a leader as a manager as an employee as a part of the snop what exactly are we trying to achieve and, and measure here yeah are we measuring the effectiveness of the process are we measuring the output in my mind ahmed 
the, the forecast accuracy is more of a leading indicator. I mean, the best, the more and more we get better in forecast accuracy, that means we can somehow, somewhere, predict the forecast in the short, medium term accordingly. I mean, our supply should get better. Then maybe we drop the forecast, uh, you know, variability a little bit, or we reduce our safety stocks, or we can go for less quick supply because now we're getting a better demand signal, you know, as an input. But mm -hmm. that's only an input. I mean, then we take it forward to what do you really want to deliver out of that? The answer to the question. Yeah, that's 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 really true, Ayman. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good answer, and uh, it always uh, comes to the service levels and how, uh, which market uh, we want to serve, and on which level of products, and uh, and on what time we want to measure this forecast accuracy. So we must ask ourselves, and we must go back to the vision and uh, the mission of the company. Also, it's not about like measuring this and reporting this or pointing fingers on some people or saying that some markets are not delivering or something. It's about, uh, you're right, it's about what are, what are we going to take out of that and how are we going to correct this uh, measure and uh, forecast. Of course, of course, there was all, there will always be a problem with the forecast, but we're trying to minimize the, the error as much as possible due to the reasons that you mentioned. We want to reduce the stocks. We want to uh, make the inventory turnover faster to make uh, more profit, of course, for the company and to increase the level, the service level uh, with our distributors and our different countries that we're serving. You know, 100%. it reminds me of a funny story that happened in the in one of our meetings. Yeah. So, you know, you start your board SNOP with how did we close this? These are the KPIs, etc. And at the time, we we're discussing, and I received a fantastic question from one of my um, managers saying, Ivan, your KPIs look green, my KPIs are not green. <laughs> and I mean, I was referring to focus accuracy. Focus. Yeah. And I said, you know, th this is a misconception. These are not my KPIs mm -hmm. as an SOP uh, manager. I don't want to say SOP manager, as a person who's leading mm -hmm. the SOP here. My main job is now increasing focus accuracy and focus bias. Again, my main job is to make sure that this complex thing that we call demand is translated from a very strategic level in a boardroom to down the operation so that the operators mm -hmm. know which SQs to run. Sales guys do what sales uh, or SQs to start selling from. But I mean, again, if you really want to see my input into the process, don't look into focus accuracy and bias, look into service, look into business waste, look into exactly. demand variability. This. Yes. Look into the percentage of sales lost due to either supply related or demand related losses. And I think these are some of the very few examples that really a good SNOP, a mature SNOP will bring into the table. Yes, a mature organization, I believe. <laughs> right. No, no, sorry to interrupt. 100% I can relate to all what you guys said because if we come just come back, Forecast accuracy, it depends on what is how many months that you are uh, having a lag to calculate your accuracy. And when it comes to just using the one size fits all, it doesn't work at all. Because each has or each family has its different or uh, complete time. 
so of calculating my forecast but actually the cumulative lead time for this SQ for this family it takes like three months four months so the forecast variability or the forecast variance it plays a big role here so if I don't have a visibility on the medium term or if I don't have a phasing of my activities or my uh, cannibalization or just the monthly phasing or the weekly phasing of my forecast, uh, it will definitely affect my service level and it definitely will affect my inventory level at the same time. So I could have like if I have a short term one month lag, I could have 100% accuracy. But when it comes to forecast variance, I see these spikes and peaks difference, ups and downs between uh, SQ or family to family. And this definitely will affect my inventory. So one of the things, as you said, Ayman, it's not only about ju just the KPI, it's about S&OP objectives. Are yes. we aligned with the mission? Are we aligned with the business imperatives? could have the best as is your story amazing story i have a green kpis but at the end of the day is the aim from this kind of kpis if it's not serving the business 100 percent. thank you ayman i think that we have the first question we'll jump into the first question yeah that's our cool. friend ahmed qasim yeah. he's asking how can the technology help in in size the equilibrium between demand and supply That's a tough question, Qasim. So, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, shooting that one. But I mean, you know, uh, I've been in the SNOP in a way or another, be it supply, be it demand, being leading one of which for the past 12 years. And I can tell you definitely we moved long way, yeah? long way from the extent of um, paper based planning, <laughs> I can call yes. it, for those who remember, to Excel based planning different spreadsheets that are only available on my laptop, no one knows about it, to a more, um, a better visibility, if I can call it this way, not necessarily a system, it can be an Excel sheet that is shared, that is put in a common mm -hmm. place so that we can have this visibility to ERP systems that have a real-time kind of uh, impact, like press sales, then somehow, somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, across the whole chain, um, this one case that I saw mm -hmm. is impacted and then there is an NRR with net requirement planning. We can call it different things here and there. So the short answer is how can um, the technology influence that? I think it's, uh, it is immense how technology is influencing it as we speak. My best example, and again, I'll a bit go out from my industry FMCG and I'll take you to um, a good example, which is Uber. Yeah. I mean, yeah. press of a button, you balance supply and demand of the fact that you want a car, which is a demand, or you want a ride, to the available uh, rides around you. I mean, this is this is technology-enabled, uh, instantaneous, uh, result-oriented SNOP, if I can call it this way, right? You press a button, this is your demand, this is your real-time thingy, and... Yes. The cars available will come. I mean, obviously, we can discuss plenty of other examples in the FMCGs and the e-com, etc. But to me, this is the ultimate dream. How can you press a button and get it immediately? If they answer your question, so definitely a huge impact there. That's that's a great example, Ayman. Yes, it's all about the speed of flow of information. So this example exactly talks about that. So the information flows quickly, and you get the real-time demand and its effect on 
the service level right away that uh, that that you're serving your your customers and getting uh, customer satisfaction and this is what we want actually from from the business so it, it's a really good example 100 thank you ayman i think we have many questions today <laughs> so we yeah. have the next question from our friend uh, well he's well, asking yeah. in the yes in the covid 19 era s and op proved that it's the uh, binding agent for every business what, what are the challenges that you have faced during covid 19 surprise and what key learnings for bridge between supply and demand during the covid 19 there are some challenges also but i couldn't see uh, what are the key learnings uh, for bridging the gap between supply and demand during the covid 19 supply chain disruptions So it's uh, it's a great question from a great fan. Yes. Uh, always good to see you well. Um, and I mean, COVID proved a lot of things. COVID proved that every dollar of investment we put behind improving our responsiveness probably yield better results than every dollar of investment we put behind improving our forecasting. You know, focus will always have this estimate of error. I'd rather be responsive. than being a good forecaster except if I'm in the stock market just to be very <laughs> honest yeah. uh, but on serious notes again best example that comes in my mind is the masks the use of surgical masks yeah. I, i always look into that as a pristine supply and demand problem statement you know at uh, i think 18th 19th of march no one ever had a surgical mask part of your shopping list zero at least in my full network of friends we didn't even know where to get this one from yeah, and i think the price was x a couple of i don't want to say days couple of hours probably from the lockdown from people rushing in and out getting their masks the price went from x to 3 4 x and then the bull whip effect you can very clearly see it people went out of stock people started stocking up a pristine problem statement just like you read it in books couple of weeks later after this out of stock huge shipments come in and because of the huge supply and people are actually stuck in their houses what happened the price poof, take a deep dive i mean in the beginning most of the retailers were trying to hold the price to the 5x that it reached but in reality if you look into it now it's actually cheaper than how it used to be prior to covid why supply and demand so i think covid proved that this responsiveness something we really really had a hard time explaining how should we build supply chain resiliency via flexibility responsiveness is much needed in such case i mean it's an extreme uh, point i mean it's, it is a good example so that's the first part of the question of how to balance this supply and demand or a good example of supply and demand to it i don't know khaled hamamsi if you want to take the rest of the question too sure i think uh, ayman you have covered it 100% in to in and it's it's all about just how we look at it from just not one angle and if i come back during covid-19 the most organization if you come back you will find that most organizations they were in a panic mood they don't have they don't know how to move shall we stock up or shall we 
get out, especially for uh, the portfolio, reporting portfolios. If you have a company that rely and their excuse is, is a fully important, they don't know how to the right model. And the easiest thing, I think at this moment, come near to your consumer or just shopper, understand what's going on. The only thing that I, I could say from organizational point of view that no one came near to the consumer or understanding what's happening on the behavior of shopper. So understanding the voice of the customer will allow you to take uh, just from downstream back upstream building, but just uh, uh, rely in your analysis or just rely on the data that you have or based on, I would say Delphi methods, guys, you can use everything with your consumer, take the right insights and build the build on it. So COVID-19 has taught us to be always near to the consumer, understand what the consumer needs. And based on that, when you have the consumer insights, you can take this into actionable uh, actions and move forward. Just move on inside, uh, just data or the organization to way. Your view, Mr. Hamamsi. Yes, exactly. To add to add to that, it's uh, give us also the importance of the contingency plans and to to make sure that you are covering the risks and the opportunities. Because before COVID nineteen, I think it was like a piece of paper that we put it in our desk or something that we present and nobody looks at it. Now everybody is uh, talking about that and about the risks and the opportunities because of what happened, because of the force majeure that happened. Uh, this started to give us uh, insights of risk management and the importance of, uh, of, of, of how to manage uh, the risk and how to mitigate the risk before it happens. Thank you, Ayman Hamamsi. We'll move into the next question. We have uh, our friend Nuruddin is asking when there is a high level of uncertainties and forecast, what measures should be taken in supply planning that would always ensure a higher service level? I think it's a great question. <laughs> uh, hi, if you can just keep it on the on the sure. Sure. Yes. So we're talking about a high level of uncertainty in demand forecast. What should we do as supply chain or supply chain planning, if I can call it this way, to make sure we have high service level? And okay. I think a couple of strategies we can look into it, uh, Nuruddin, here. Uh, first, let's identify the problem statement. And, you know, I love to put things into perspective. When you say I have a uncertainty in demand, that probably means I have a low forecast accuracy. Yeah, And this low forecast accuracy means that we're not able somehow, somewhere to forecast the demand or to foresee early on how much is going to be our sale. I mean, this is not always the case because the, the forecast is unpredictable or uncertain. It can be just a, an issue of a forecast that we're not able to forecast properly. So I will say, confirm this hypothesis by the use of science, i.e. do an FVA, a very common thing many companies forecast value add. Just run parallel to the SNOP where you spend zillions of man hours trying to put the focus together. Just run a simple statistical algorithm, yeah? And, and see, would, would that be doing a better job than collectively how we think about it or not? That's not right. Another point, again, I'm still identifying the problem statement of uncertain demand. Let's talk about innovation. A big company 
with having product that is not in the market so because we don't have historical demand which is again uncertainty of demand then we're not sure how much is gonna be and i mean in my mind come three different answers here one is the very basic answer Muradin, which is the safety stock safety stock objective mm-hmm. basically 100%. to make sure that you have stocks available to use for supply and demand variability yeah so whenever supply goes up and down you're not supposed to use it i mean it's a very academic way of looking at it of course you do but i mean ideally ideally you should not touch this stock. that's the first thing second is uh, uh, a higher level i would say of thinking make sure you have a very responsive supply chain i.e and i gave the same example of of, of uber you know at some point of time there are x riders at another point of time there are 20 x riders but we we're always able to find uh, rides in reality is not exactly the same you know you're managing the consumer expectation you say your ride will be available in one minute and there your ride will be available in 15 minutes both case calms you down i mean because you know that there is something coming so my second answer here is visibility yeah make sure that this communication with your customers with the customers customers etc is there so that's the second i mean strategy top of mind third i think it's a very tough one to implement let me start by saying that is range forecasting so the idea of range forecasting is acknowledging that we will sell x or x plus y and that no one here knows what is the right amount and accordingly we build two parallel plans of x and x plus y I mean, the reason why nobody likes range forecasting is not about the range forecasting itself, but it's about what kind of policies are you going to put behind the range forecasting. So let's say, for instance, we run an SNOP and we think that our sale is either 100 or 150, but our capacity is only 90. Yeah. So then we go into a contract with a 3PM that comes and say, okay, if you want 10 pieces, I'll give it to you with a different price than 60. Then everyone comes back and, you know, fights. But we might run into extra stocks that we don't need or shall we go for lower unit cost and go for those i mean this trade-off very few people are willing to take so range forecasting is not just about putting two forecasts x <laughs> and x plus y i mean mm-hmm. it implies doing something about it i mean between those three things and obviously these are just points i mean the the solution or dean is somewhere in between not on a node of those if, if that answered the question i guess I think it's a, no, it's a very good answer, Ayman. Uh, definitely, it's a good answer. Yeah, and again, okay. it's about the... Okay. Yeah. Go so ahead. Can we give Ayman something? <laughs> Deserved <Right>. one, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely, Ayman. I think, yes. Ayman, just if you allow me to add something on that, you have covered it in to end with your great experience i think if if we come if i can add two things i will add two things which is as you said supply chain responsiveness and supply chain agility so uh, in terms of responsiveness it's all about the cost versus benefit so just to overcome or override all kind of waste because i believe safety stock and all kind of stocks it's waste right at the end of the day it's it's envy and non-value adding in in our organization unless it's adding but what i'm saying here that if we could have 
just available capacity for sure. It's it's it depends on the the the, the cost versus the benefit. If we can go for localization, move near to the downstream, I would say this will allow us just to be agile supply chain instead of having this cumulative lead time and this uh, kind of uh, freezing zones in all supply chain nodes, if you can see it. So two things I would probably say it, it's supply chain agility and supply chain responsiveness come near to the, the, the customer, uh, reduce all kind of lead times and by default, demand forecast will always and forecast will never be right. So we have to have this keep it into, into our mind the way how we can respond and the way we can be agile. This is this. I think this is just one, two things that I want to add. If you allow it, can we go for the second question? Please, let's go. A lot oh, of questions. Okay. Coming <laughs> yes, we have our friend Muhammad Adam. He is asking, what are the key success metrics for successful S&OP, especially connecting it to agile operation plan in manufacturing facilities? I think it's a great question also. Our expert, Ayman. <laughs> you guys are giving me all the hard questions. So, <laughs> but again... Uh, so you can give it till we think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, I have to say, first of all, Adam, it's always a pleasure seeing you and um, I mean you touch based on one of the missions of SNOP you know we discussed earlier SNOP is all about connecting supply and demand balancing out those two but also another important mission is how can we translate these talks if I can call it this way in the board SNOP or in your mind or on the excel sheet to um, uh, actionable items into a machine with an operator or to a sales plan for a sales guy in a branch or a city, uh, etc. And I, I think this is the connect, yeah? Translate aggregate plan, as we call it, into SQI's plan. Into manufacturing facility, I would say a couple of things to come in my mind. One, the fluctuations, yeah? I mean, how often does the plan change and how often do you see these changes? In the factory you know many of us would work on a plan i mean for those in manufacturing sector and say ah did the planner change the plan did they actually the plan <laughs> yeah we're on our stock because the planner is the planner's mistake yes the guy you see <laughs> there are like two hundred thousand people working behind the person who are probably taking small part of this crime <laughs> i can call it this way yeah so this is one good way to look at it. Are there plenty of uh, changes into the plan that you can see on the shop floor or in the manufacturing facility, but the board level, you know, the, the changes are not that much. I think this is definitely one thing you should look for. Another good example, I would say, linking it to manufacturing facility is the other way around. How committed are you to the plan? what we call mm -hmm. delivery reliability. Output or reliability output into the manufacturing. Every time I give you a plan of X, you know, 10X, do you give me nine or do you give me 11? Or do you give me eight? I mean, this is another way of definitely connecting SNOP. Again, I mean, successful SNOP, there is no one way, one very simple explanation to say, okay, successful SNOP is to do those three things. Yeah? No. 
That's not the case. Every case is contingent. Every mm -hmm. industry has its own norms. You know, we just gave an example Challenge. of Uber and how press of a button is the example. But this does not apply yet to FMCGs or an engineer uh, to uh, to order policy. You cannot just do the press of a button, get a bridge. It is also a supply chain uh, question. I hope that answers part of it. And I'm not sure, Hamamsi, Khaled, if you guys want to add. No, it's uh, definitely a good answer, of course, Ayman, and uh, I, uh, I second your voice here about the adherence to, to the plan, because sometimes uh, uh, you are giving a plan at the beginning of the month and there is a lot of uh, like uh, waste or something that is not uh, communicated well on the shop floor or some kind of uh, like uh, uh, they are doing uh, maintenance or some stoppage on the lines that are not uh, well uh, well communicated. So it's all about the communication. And uh, I remember when uh, Khaled used to be handling uh, supply and we were working together, he was always communicating with the production and the people on the floor like weekly and more. And uh, uh, it was always uh, it was always crazy times. I was handling uh, demand and giving uh, Khaled uh, problems about that. <laughs> well, on the other side, so let's not get started on it. <laughs> so uh, just if, if you allow me i'll add something which is very interesting based on the struggles that we have all we worked in make and we we worked in plan and i like the question that muhammad adam said that it's about agility if we come to agility especially from a manufacturing side it's all about crashing all kinds of freezing zones if you come to, uh, especially in FMCG, if I speak about it specifically, you will see that most people, when you go to do a weekly plan, a weekly plan, I will freeze the plan weekly. But actually, the sales is is being done at hourly, even uh, a, a, by by shift, whatever the buckets, even it's done. So, agility in manufacturing side, you have to be willing to change and to be agile and not not freeze stuff. Also, uh, manufacturing side, you have you have also uh, some responsibilities. How to uh, crash all of these kind of lead times and freezing zones, and the cycle times in your machines and all of your resources. This definitely will allow you to be more agile and responsive. So it's not only about planning. I freeze whatever. If I have a positive bias over my forecast inside a special week, I have to be responsive. To replenish quickly as much as I can, so it's 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 a low reciprocity from manufacturing and the planning side. Because I used to be in the same way when I was in manufacturing, I was very rigid-minded. Guys, I have only one week, and I have to have the plan for two weeks. But actually, when it comes re to reality, when I come to the planning and supply planning side, guys, it doesn't work like this. So I understand why some supply chain is, uh... and competitive. <laughs> yeah, that's why it is. Uh, it is, of course. <laughs> Uh, it is, of course, due to also lack of technology sometimes because you have to do these changes on Excel sheets sometimes and you have to talk to the people and you have to fight and uh, and uh, till the guys are convinced that uh, that what's happening and then they will start the blame game and the salespeople. 
they don't understand anything, you know. <laughs> this is why the because of the of course the communication and this is the importance of SNOP and having people from production and SNOP to understand the cycle, to understand the challenges that the salespeople are having, to understand the that all the challenges in demand so that the supply people are, are with you. Because always uh, I've seen that at a lot of companies and I have also experience of, the, of like, I mean, like 10 to 12 years SOP, always the people on the shop floor are, uh, sometimes they don't know anything. They don't know the mission, the vision of the company. They are not aware. They're just working nine to five, doing their shift, doing their job. They, they are not aligned exactly. with, with the plan. That's why they are, uh, they are frustrated from my point of view. Exactly. Thank you, Ayman and the Hamamsi. We'll jump into the next uh, question. Our friend Hisham Muhammad, uh, he is talking about digital transformation, how it helps mm. us to enhance the balance of demand and supply. I think it's the same question like technology. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, uh, it's the technology part. I just want to add here if. Uh, you allow me, Ayman and Khaled, it's, uh, technology is very important and we've seen how it, uh, it, uh, the, the quick transformation of the information it helped us and uh, going from, uh, as Ayman saying, from Excel to ERPs to all that to IBP, even integrated business planning now. But it all depends on the people. If people don't apply, if people don't put uh, the right information, uh, we'll find garbage in, garbage out. So people, 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 70% of the success of uh, S and OP embarrassing supply and demand. It counts on on people first, then the process. Of course, have a robust process dates that are are are, are religiously, uh, I can say, uh, uh, done the dates on the meetings and the regular communication and all that. Then comes the the technology. This is from my uh, humble point of view. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, your thoughts, Simon. Now, I'm, I'm very cautious when I use the word digital transformation because it means different things to different people, to be very frank, just to get started with. Uh, there are plenty of solutions um, on digital transformation, somewhere from macro-based uh, Excel sheet yeah. to a very fancy tool. And again, I start by saying something similar to Hamamsi. What are we trying to achieve? I'll give you a good example from my humble experience. Um, you know, one of the core jobs of a demand planner in the SMP process is to identify what is the baseline. So, scientific way of doing it, you can do it on a piece of paper, you can take a, you know, chance, <laughs> one number, I mean, all ways are open. But, I mean, again, there is a way to quantify is Hamamsi's baseline better than Khaled or mine, which is by running a test. So, one tool I got to know from one of my uh, beloved team members was called R. And in, and in the beginning, he started to explain, said, okay, what, uh, what's the con continue the word? He said, no, no, that's it. It's called R. <laughs> yeah, the letter. I said, right, I'm not missing something. And I, man, I was shocked by how can a simple tool, there's only one letter, it's only R. And I'm can do a job better than a planner in pretty much almost always yeah it's mm -hmm. an open source go google it it's again just the letter r a statistical, mm -hmm. statistical tool where again in, in where i come from we say you put in the cow and you get the sausages out and you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> everything is automated but i mean 
the beauty of it is not that. I mean, the digital transformation here, if you allow me to get the essence of the story, is not on how easy it is. It's on how the technology enables such quick transition that I just put some numbers, automatically goes out. If you don't understand the logic, if you don't understand the programming, if you don't understand, and trust me, I've seen plenty of demand planners who don't know statistics, shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It will be just like doing that or using um, a dice. You can also use dice. I mean, if you both don't understand how they work. So, I mean, the starting thing is to identify what are you trying to solve by using digital transformation. Let's take this example of generating demand. R is a perfect example. Python is a fantastic tool with huge opportunities. There are also some solutions that are tailored. I mean, without naming any you know particular products there are huge amount of anywhere between um, stuff that individuals are doing to smes small medium enterprises to large cooperation probably bigger than my own company selling so the range of products the digital solutions if i can call it this way is huge Hisham. i always start asking what are you trying to solve using it to me it's a it's not a destination just a way to reach from point A to point B in a smarter, better, cooler, and easier way. Thank you, Aymans, for the great answer. So we'll jump into next question because we have massive questions today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we need a, into, yes, a lot of episodes of Ayman. <laughs> yes, I So we have our friend Abdurrahman. He's asking with the uh, with problems that happened in China nowadays, and as you know, most of companies are relying on raw materials imported from China. Should companies uh, get their raw materials and fill it uh, its warehouse, despite this will not match their target? Regarding, uh, I just I'll come back. Whereas regarding uh, inventory cost at the end of the, that year. Hmm. <laughs> I would say this is the one million dollar <laughs> yes, question. One million. Yeah. All right. So I think this takes the supply and demand balance to a whole new level. I mean, the current crisis, I would be lying if I know the answers because, I mean, far more smarter people trying to figure it out or solve it. But, I mean, all the reports, all the uh, resources are saying, unfortunately, it's here for some time. I mean, thinking out loud, it is a problem statement of supply chain resiliency. Yeah. I mean, resiliency is the is actually coming from material science. It's the ability of a material to come back to the original form. In the same sense, it's the ability of the supply chain to have a supply or a demand sudden change, but then still bounce back to a state as if it is effective. And I'm, you know, I go into Gartner, um, the, the body of knowledge, and I look into six main strategies. How can you build supply chain resiliency? One is near shoring. I mean, the example you shared. Yes, yes. Materials you know, coming from China, then do it here if you can. Another is multi-sourcing. You can depend on China, you can depend on Italy, you can depend on UAE in a mix and match in a different way. 
uh, inventory and capacity buffer. I think you gave this example. How can I build the same? You know, can I should I take more stocks or not? And, and I'll come to the answer. I hope you like it, but I mean, I'll come to what I think is the answer there as well. Um, manufacturing network diversification don't depend on a factory here depend on a factory here a factory there is similar to the near shoring or sourcing multi-sourcing yeah uh, platform uh, product or plant harmonization we give example of of uber i mean the uberization as a term is now widespread across you know you can also depend mm -hmm. on freight on your usual uh, colleagues but there are plenty of startups and businesses where you can uberize your logistics, uh, trucking, and so on and so. And, and last um, example in here is the ecosystem partnership. You don't need to find this alone. Mm -hmm. You should actually yes. put partnership uh, into fixing. I mean, that's not my view. That's Gartner's view. I mean, you can look it up in their website on supply chain resilience. But I mean, the more important answer here is, okay, now we have all those strategies. Which one should we go for? And I mean, I always say to my self and my team supply chain is all about balancing things out yeah it's not supply mm -hmm. and demand only this time but it's also cash cost and service you yes know, you can fly mm -hmm. things up from china you get it i mean you will go bankrupt in a couple of days because of the huge <laughs> cost so cost mm -hmm. service yeah you can deliberately quickly into the episode today of balancing supply and demand say okay you know what i have limited supply because of those issues and accordingly i will be only giving a and b class customers the supply only yeah or i'll be raising my price you know what i'm not gonna sell this piece 400 which which is exactly what happened in the masks if you remember yeah i'll yes. actually it for 100 plus x because there is more demand and i benefit from it and third is on cash yeah you can build huge inventories if if you want yeah but if you have the cash to build those inventories <laughs> so i mean we have the tools which one to go for is very contingent based on how are you gonna balance those three things out cash cost and service and accordingly you should build your strategy accordingly. i hope that answers the question great answer uh Ayman, of course can we give another uh, Yes, please. Another round of applause, please. I'm gonna use <laughs> Go ahead, Hamos. <laughs> no, it's only, uh, it's, uh, as Ayman said, it's hard to, to add to what he said, but it's trade-off between uh, costs and benefits. Cost-benefits uh, analysis uh, should be always uh, there. And, uh, and like Ayman said, I like how he said about this uh, these three elements that you have to, to measure. And you see, of course, this is the, a strategic decision. This uh, Sometimes it has to go out to the executive team, to the top management. So we have these SX problems. We have this, shall we go to sourcing from here? Shall we go to sourcing from there? But of course, multiple sourcing must be done. And uh, it's, uh, it's always a decision. Are we going to pile and stock up or are we going to multi-source or uh, what are we going to do? Because it's not about only a short period of time. And we must check it. There is no one uh, one clear answer. Depends on the product, depends on the product uh, shelf life, the availability of the product, the strategy of the company, of course, as you saying, and the vision and the mission of the company. Definitely. Thank you, Ayman Hamamsi. We'll jump into the next question from our friend 
Ahmad Al Shafai. He's asking, how do we balance between having more stocks and more service levels and having big plans securing stocks, but ending up with huge business waste and higher storage costs? It's a very interesting question. So, you know, we just <laughs> highlighted this in the previous yeah. one. Supply chain can be viewed by different ways. I mean, a good answer is balancing out cash, cost, and service. This is exactly the, the, the point here. Uh, I would say, Ahmed, there is no one straight answer. Again, as I mentioned earlier, um, it depends on the, the company, the growth ambition, the, the cash availability. I mean, I go into Amazon uh, or any of the likes of service providers, and they have huge amount of SKUs. You cannot even imagine the count of SKUs there. That's an investment in cash, or they're holding the stock uh, or asking their suppliers to take care of the stock under a vendor managed inventory policy or mm -hmm. under a consignment yes. box. They're saying, okay, we're not going to hold those products. You guys put it here upon consumption. We will be charged mm -hmm. for it. I mean, there are multiple policies how to deal with the first part of it, which is stocks. Yeah. Should I hold the stocks? I mean, stocks and cash. Uh, second, on service level, lots of ways of improving service level starts. I mean, in the context of today's talk and SNOP, how to improve your uh, focus accuracy, your focus bias, your forecasting techniques in general, how to make sure that you're able to properly um, identify the future near or short or long-term demand. Um, that's one way to start at it. Service level can also be something we discuss in delivery mode. I mean, you get your grocery in a different, or actually, I'll give you a better example. I mean, water bottles or water company supplies. Yeah? They have different supply chains, you know. There is the supply chain going to the retail, mm. the brick and mortar model. There is the supply chain going to houses. If you have a dispenser and the five gallon. gallon. This is a completely yes. different supply chain, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. you have a third supply chain, which is the vending machine supply chain, the small bottles and some more, mm. etc. I'm sure, and I don't work in a hotel company, but I'm sure each and every supply chain model in the same exact company, selling the same exact brand, have a different service level targets. Because, I mean, they're all trying to address different problem statements. So that's on service. Third on, on costs, I mean, costs are anywhere between storage costs and, as you rightly called it out, the unfortunate, hidden, scary business waste, something that don't hit you today, takes some time to materialize and to realize, oops, somewhere, somewhere, sometime, did a mistake, and we got all of this now under our plate. So what is the solution? That is the hardest part, and I think it needs more time to discuss it. But the short answer is... It's a balancing game. You can have two and then deprioritize the third. You can have the three and then hit a different matrix. This is very contingent on your priorities. Even in the same company, we gave an example of different supply chains. Even in the same company, in the same supply chain, different maturity level or different needs would dictate different balance between the three. I hope 
answer the super tough question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ayman. It's a very interesting answer. You can allow me just I'll add small stuff in that point. And because we, we came from the same pain points, I think it's all related to business waste and uh, uh, companies, many companies are bleeding uh, and the, their margins are being diluted because of this stuff, which is not obvious in the short term. It depends on the product shelf lifetime, if I'm talking about FMCG and the product uh, life cycle, even it happens. But let me just make it very simple and to the point. I think it's all about the demand planning team, just to make it very clear. And how the people inside the SNP or demand planning, they are capable to understand. And uh, the, the full, I would say, just let's talk it from the, the, the downstream side, especially the innovations, building the innovations and the relaunches or the new SQs, as I even said at the beginning, that when you have an innovation and you don't have a history for that innovation and you're building it from scratch, such those stuff, either you would end up with a positive advice or just a negative advice, which definitely will affect your inventory or it will affect your service level. Why I'm saying demand planning capabilities, because are we capable enough to understand what is the buildup of the forecast? What are the drivers of the forecast? What is the price index that we have? What are the segments that we have for this innovation? And what, what could be the, 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 the factors that could influence the demand itself, the drivers? If we have like a price index, we'll, we'll, we'll penetrate with a price index like 100%, okay? And our competition has a market share of, let's say, 50%, but the price, they are at the price index 90%. Are we giving the right promotions, right or not? Are we giving it, are we planning it in our business case at the beginning? but end up with, when it comes to post activities, having a cut uh, in budget, and by default we have uh, these innovations, it, it's the tail of your category, and cut this budget from the innovation and end up with it as a business waste, and come all of this uh, investment that we have, we put it in the core SQs. This kind of stuff and this kind of questions should be asked by, by the demand planning. Just, I believe demand planning is one of the major or core roles, if you have a capable demand planning in SNOP, they can take your business to a levels or just the places you would never ever imagine it if you have a capable demand planning, just not only relying blindly in, in, in history, but just challenging the status quo, understand what is the marketplace. This is just my, uh, just small, uh, the, the insight that I can, can add it. I like this uh, insight, Ahmed, and it's also, I think it uh, depends also on the business and, and the, inside the organization and people understand the role of, uh, of demand planning and uh, if they uh, if they allow and, uh, and the, uh, the demand planning has, has the hand to, to talk about that and to uh, address that uh, with, with the teams and, uh, and uh, demand planning to for people not to be talking only about like the functional uh, uh, KPIs and that this demand planning is talking about this kind of, uh, of promotions and that's the right to talk to sales about the promotions, take the information and analyze and all that. It's not about like sales, we are, we are been in the field for, for a long time and we're doing that and we, it's not about judging, it's about giving, uh, it's about the business solution and it's about giving uh, profitability to the business. So 
yeah good point that you that you raised uh, definitely uh, you and uh, and Ayman. thank you so much i think Ayman, we have to schedule another episode because yeah we have, we have uh, a lot of uh, questions of course yes. and uh, a lot of people of course know the value of our guest here uh, Ayman and sure. uh, we tried yeah I think we we tried to cover and I think we can uh, we'll cover uh, uh, most of the questions that people can can address uh, Ayman uh, right away or uh, also we'll try to answer the questions I think after the episode because we uh, actually run out of time with an, another great episode on the SNLP yeah so again so uh I will ask the last question, guys, if you allow me. And this question, really, I want to have uh, Ayman experience on that. And again, all of your questions, will, inshallah, will, will be able to address yeah. after the episode. And uh, don't hesitate to direct message Ayman at any point. He is very humble, very well uh, experienced, amazing experience. He will help you and he will guide you. But just the last question, Ayman, and this, I think this is the, an amazing one. I would say in balancing that it comes from Superman and so it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, if I'm if we come back to the balancing the demand and supply, what are the best ways uh, to deal with supply gaps? Uh, speaking about let's say capacity constraints in the short, medium, and long term, how to optimize between the cost versus benefits based on your experience. So if I have, let's say, I have a supply gap in the short term, if I have a supply gap in the medium term, if I have a supply gap in the long term, what is the possible ways that you can use based on your experience to, to optimize between the cost and benefits? Yeah, it's, a, it's again a tough one, but I mean, <laughs> my, my starting point here is coming from a philosophy of long-term priorities. I mean, I've seen different teams, different uh, successful businesses, unfortunately, caught up in chasing their tail. You know, somehow, mm-hmm. or, or, or another, we call it firefighting, other call it, you know, day-to-day disasters, other call it different issues, different days. But I mean, it remains to be the same point. So the first point here, I mean, again, identify the real root cause. And build a plan how to fix it. You know, I had a boss who told me something that's very nice. If it doesn't have a solution, it's not a problem. Yeah. Instead about being and crying about uh, how luck, bad luck it is ours to be in this position. First of all, try to identify really what is the problem statement. One of our friends here mentioned an example of or an uncertain demand. Is it really uncertain? I mean, there is, there are some scientific mm-hmm. ways of pulling this out. I mean, take, for instance, demand variability. It's a very clear matrices that put a number into uh, your demand uh, variability. Is it really a variable demand or it's only in your mind? Matching mm-hmm. demand is then another job. So again, answering your point, Khaled, what I'm trying to say is, it starts by identifying the problem statement. I'm clear on the problem statement, which probably is a solvable one. If it's not, then I think the short answer is let's live with it. Let's move on, try to find another <laughs> problem. Yeah. And if we identify it, then if the solution is on the short term, then divide your job and your time between really focusing on 
what is urgent okay it's also important to focus on what is important how to build the muscles for the future fix of this problem again as i mentioned many of the great teams have seen unfortunately are caught up in this reality chasing their tails trying to fix today problem today while the action mm. today should be fixing tomorrow's problem Tomorrow. so mm-hmm. proper balance between uh, giving an importance to the short term and today and also about building the muscles for tomorrow have always been a useful one in my mind yeah thank you ayman as usual and as we said that the knowledge that we have today it's knowledge we will not find in books we would like to thank you again ayman for your amazing insights your lovely uh, knowledge that you shared with us today and as you see i think that we have <laughs> a huge duty today yes just yeah, to get all to get all to these questions yeah. yeah of course and thanks to the audience of course the audience engagement was was amazing today and uh, we're so happy to have you ayman Ayman today and uh, thank you of course our audience and as Ahmed said it's knowledge you not find in books and uh, I think I hope that we covered most of the questions in a, in a good way because it was a really an interesting episode with, uh, with Ayman thank you so much Ayman thank you so much Ayman for your time hopefully we can have another episode huh? so yes <laughs> so, so on, a, on a very serious note thank you so much guys and thanks to the lovely questions here and there now i'll leave the hard task and the tough job for the gents and the superstars to answer all your questions and thank you for having me on the 25th uh, episode this is a special <laughs> one for uh, yeah. this lesson of e maybe i'll come at the 50 or at the 100 again yes <laughs> we'll see you it'll be always always great to have you ayman and uh, really thank you so much for your time I thank you thank guys. You so Stay much. safe. Thank Stay you. blessed. Thank, thank you. you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled co we believe that one word one story or one conversation could transform your life stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in s and op have a wonderful week ahead